What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you. It's time to get into the weeds with the Bills opponent this weekend, the Houston Texans, as the NFL playoffs kick off and your Buffalo Bills are in it. One of 12 teams left that can say they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And there's a long road ahead, but the first stop, Houston, where the Bills will take on the Texans. And we're going to get into the weeds with this opponent, and I'll break this team down in every way that I can to get you ready for this football game. It's been a feels like it's been a little while since we did this. Uh, we had Christmas uh, that one week, which kind of set off our schedule, and then it was an inconsequential game against the Jets, so I didn't quite get into them, and we talked heavily about the Jets earlier in the year. So it's nice to get back into this rhythm a little bit, and I really do love these episodes because – It helps me or it gives me that chance to kind of nerd out and just talk football with you. So let's start with the nuts and bolts here. The game will be played on Saturday, January 4th, 2020 at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time in Houston, Texas at NRG Stadium. The game will be broadcasted on ESPN. Joe Tessitore on the play-by-play. Booger McFarlane is the game analyst. And Lisa Salters is going to report from the sidelines This is the typical Monday night football crew. So if you watch Monday night football, these guys are going to be calling the Bills game on Saturday. Tessator does a good job on play-by-play. Booger McFarlane is, uh, (laughs) he's something else uh, as the commentator. He has, um, (laughs) well, if you haven't listened to him call a game, then uh, you're in for a treat. He says some very different things, um, pretty shallow with his analysis, but for the most part, uh, he's entertaining just because the things he says just they'll cause you to smile a little bit for a variety of reasons. Uh, this is the ninth all-time meeting between the Houston Texans and Buffalo Bills. Houston has won five of those nine, so Houston is five and four all-time against the Bills, or the Bills are four and five all-time against the Texans. However, you want to look at that. Both teams finished the regular season at ten and six. The Bills 10-6 got them the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs, while Houston, because they won their division, the AFC South, they are the fourth seed. Let's talk about this head coach, Bill O'Brien. He's 50 years old. He's in his sixth season as head coach of the Texans. He's been there since 2014. His first three seasons in Houston, he was 9-7. Then he went 4-12, 11-5, and then 10-6 this year. In six seasons, he's made the playoffs four times. Bill O'Brien is 1-3 coaching playoff games for the Houston Texans. Looking at his background, he started off as a college assistant from 1993 to 2006 with stops at Brown, Georgia Tech, Maryland, and Duke. Then he became a Patriots offensive assistant from 2007 to 2010. He was the offensive coordinator in New England in 2011. And then he left to take on the head coaching gig at Penn State. He was there for uh, from 2012 through 2013 and then became the head coach of the Houston Texans in 2014. The all-important challenge record, he's had 37 challenges in his career as a head coach. He's won 15 of them. Thought it was notable that he's won for seven this year. So having a bad year challenging plays, Mr. Bill O'Brien. The quarterback for this team is Deshaun Watson. A tremendous young talent, one of the best college football players I've ever seen at Clemson. He helped elevate that program. Dabo Swinney, the head coach at Clemson, called him or compared him to Michael Jordan in terms of his impact on a football 
team or on a sports team and what he means leadership-wise and his skill set on the field. He's 6'2", 220 pounds. He's athletic. Uh, he was the uh, their first-round draft pick in 2017, number 12 overall. If you remember that year, uh, Mitch Trubisky went uh, number two in the draft to the Bears. Patrick Mahomes went number 10 to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick, or Deshaun Watson went number 12 overall to the Houston Texans. The Texans traded with uh, traded, moved up in the draft, parted with a first-round pick the following year to get Deshaun Watson. And Houston has a history now of, of giving away their first-round picks, but obviously I'm sure they regret nothing when it comes to acquiring Deshaun Watson. He's been tremendous, one of the most exciting young quarterbacks in football. Has had a great season, 67% uh, completion percentage, 98 passer rating. He's averaging 285 yards per game. 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's been sacked 44 times this year. Uh, like I mentioned, he's an athletic quarterback, a dual threat guy, 413 rushing yards and seven touchdowns this season. Like most quarterbacks, if you pressure him, he's not as effective. When he's not pressured in 347 passing attempts this year, he's completing 75% of his passes, 8.2 yards per attempt, and he has a passer rating of 107.9. When he's under pressure, uh, 148 attempts this year, he's completing only 48.6% of his passes, 7.2 yards per attempt, and a 79.6 passer rating. So when he's under pressure, his completion percentage goes down almost 30%. His yards per attempt goes down by a yard, and his passer rating goes down by almost 40 points. So uh, like every quarterback, it's critical to get pressure on this guy. Now, one thing about him is he handles the blitz extremely well. His splits, when he's blitzed compared to when he's not blitzed, they're nearly identical. This is a guy that knows what to do when uh, when opposing defenses send live bullets at him. He's very uh, good at getting the football out and beating the blitz. So if you're going to blitz him, you better pressure him because blitzing is not enough uh, to affect Deshaun Watson. He's an exceptional vertical passer. This is a quarterback who, at Clemson, I thought it was – a pretty erratic part of his game. He's really uh, honed in on that, and he's become a very good uh, passer down the field. 14.9% of his passing attempts this year were aimed beyond 20 yards. That is a very high percentage, fifth most frequent in terms of targeting receivers more than 20 yards down the field in the NFL. Uh, Matthew Stafford, number one. Uh, Russell Wilson, number two. Aaron Rodgers, number three, Jameis Winston, number four, Deshaun Watson, number five. So very, he loves to dial up the deep ball, and he's very effective at doing it. Uh, this year, he has 74 passes aimed more than 20 yards down the field. He's completed 33 of those, seven drops, uh, 1,111 yards. That's nearly, I mean, it's almost a third of his passing yards comes from passes aimed more than 20 yards down the field. 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, a passer rating of 102.8 when he works the ball down the field. I mean, I'd, I'd say he's almost a better down-the-field passer than he is kind of short and intermediate. So uh, he's a guy that you have to account for, that vertical ability. He can really stress the defense in, in so many ways because he's athletic, but also because he can push that ball down the field. In a lot of ways, you know, some of the stuff we 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 would say about Josh Allen, except for a much more efficient quarterback, is – Deshaun Watson. Play action is a big part of what he does. 25.2% uh, of his passes are of the play action variety. That's 13th most uh, among starters. So he's pretty frequent. I wouldn't say it's a huge, huge, huge part of what he does, but it's a big part of what he does. 
And um, he's actually not any significant, he's not significantly better when it's uh, play action passes. As a matter of fact, his splits are very similar when he when he's throwing play action passes versus not play action passes and his completion percentage was within 0.1%. So, um he's he's effective no matter what, right? Down the field, uh when he's blitzed, not when he's blitzed, play action, he's good. Uh and the real thing is the the key with him is getting pressure on him, which sometimes he invites on himself. When you look at his time in the pocket, he's in the pocket the second longest in the NFL among starting quarterbacks, 2.97 seconds on average in the pocket. Lamar Jackson is number one at 3.04. He holds on to the football. That's been the knock on Deshaun Watson. It's it's getting better. It's not nearly as poor as it's been in his first couple seasons in the league, but it's still a problem for him. And, and him holding on to the football uh, creates pressure that he causes on his own. You know, sometimes you, you just have to, when you're, when you're trying to charge who that pressure was, was should be charged against whether it's an offensive lineman, uh, running back, whoever. Deshaun Watson at times holds onto the football too long to the point where it's his fault that he gets sacked or it's his fault that he's hurried um, because he's not getting it out quick enough. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have some numbers for you there. According to Pro Football Focus, they charged him with 43 pressures this year, 14 sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and 18 hurries were his fault because he held onto the football for too long. So just keep that in mind with him. Very dynamic. He's athletic, pushes the ball down the field. He's accurate. Um, but if if you want to get to him, it's all about pressure. It's all about getting pressure on him. And sometimes he invites that pressure to himself because he holds on to the football. Now, part of that is because he believes in his ability to escape and make things happen with his feet, which he does very well. As a matter of fact, there's a large percentage of his pressures that he escapes. And he's very talented at doing so. Uh, so you've got to get multiple bodies to this guy. You're not just one guy's not going to matter. You need to get pressure coming from multiple directions and, and get him down because he's going to really challenge you in in space. You know, if a defensive lineman's going to be tracking him down, it's going to be a big task to get him on the ground. But it's critical to shutting down Deshaun Watson. Are you the type of football fan that knows the game so well that you can choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, college basketball season, it's the time to get off the sidelines and in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie because no one gives you no more ways to win. Tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's talk some more about this offense. We touched on quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, let's talk about what's going on around him. Uh, first of all, by mentioning the offensive coordinator, who is Tim Kelly. And let me just tell you that Tim Kelly is the offensive coordinator by title only. This is like a uh, a Chan Gailey, Curtis Mockins type thing. Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. He calls plays 
And Tim Kelly, I'm sure he's very involved in in scheming and game planning and those types of things. But make no mistake about it, Tim, uh, Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. Uh, but just to give Tim Kelly his respect, they have been together since 2012. So uh, very familiar with Bill O'Brien, and I'm sure he's instrumental in game planning. But Bill, Bill O'Brien calls the plays. He runs the show. Uh, this offense has been pretty good this year. They're uh, 14th in the NFL in scoring, 23.6 points per game. They convert 43.5% of their third downs. That's eighth best in the NFL. Very good. 362 total yards per game. That's 13th. 126 rushing yards per game. That is ninth. And 234 passing yards per game. That is 15th. So pretty solid uh, above average offense. Their weapons, Deshaun Watson's weapons, they include at wide receiver uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills. Those are the three main guys. DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in football, uh, top three for sure. Uh, He had a good year, 146 targets, 104 receptions, 1,165 yards, seven touchdowns. Will Fuller in 11 games had 70 targets, 49 receptions, 670 yards, three touchdowns. His status um, is up in the air for Saturday, but he's practiced early this week. I think all signs point to him playing, and he's a very meaningful player for them. Really helps uh, accomplish the spacing that they need for their offense. Kenny Stills, uh, 53 targets this year, 40 receptions, 561 yards, and four touchdowns. That's their three main guys in terms of wide receivers that they throw to. DeAndre Hopkins is a physical alpha number one receiver all day long. Will Fuller is a guy that has a ton of, ton of speed and wins vertically, but he's becoming a bit more of a complete receiver. And then Kenny Stills, you guys are familiar with him with the Dolphins. He came over, Stills came over to Houston as part of that Larry Me Tunsil deal, and he's a, a pretty versatile guy, can win inside from the slot or outside, um, has some yak ability, vertical ability as well. So he's a pretty pretty solid all-around receiver. And so those are their top three guys, and it's a good it's a good trio. Uh, if Will Fuller's unable to go, Kiki Kuti is that number four guy. He would be, he'll probably get some some run as well. Um, he's a, a shifty kind of slot jitterbug type guy. Um, very small. He's not going to offer much in the way of catch radius, but he's competitive, pesky, small guy. Uh, if Will Fuller is not able to play in this game, I think you'll see a bit more of him. If not, then I think he'll be kind of phased out, but he's a name to keep in mind. At tight end, they get the ball to a couple different tight ends. Darren Fells, uh, 47 targets this year, 34 receptions, 341 yards, seven touchdowns. Those seven touchdowns tied with DeAndre Hopkins to lead the team. So when this team gets down to the red zone area, they're going to throw the football to Darren Fells and DeAndre Hopkins. They also have Jordan Akins, who's more of an athletic flex hybrid type tight end. Uh, 53 targets this year, 36 receptions, 418 yards, and two touchdowns. So you got to keep him in mind. He's a player that uh, I think can win in line and out in the slot. He's a younger player in the league, uh, has a lot of athleticism to him. So he's the guy that they'll probably put and try to challenge the seam and put some stress on the middle of the field for the Bills. Um, They throw the football a ton to Duke Johnson. He's a running back. They traded a third-round pick to get him from the Cleveland Browns. They targeted him 62 times this year, 44 receptions, 410 yards, and three touchdowns. So when you look at the guys that they throw the football, they have six weapons with 
at least 47 targets. And Deshaun Watson, if you look at his passer rating to all of these six different guys, he's very efficient throwing to every single one of them. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, Duke Johnson. All six of those guys have it's has received at least 47 targets, and Deshaun Watson is is very efficient throwing to each and every one of them. Now, speaking of Duke Johnson, he's a big part of what they do uh, in the receiving game, but he's part of a uh, a backfield that includes Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is their lead running back. He had 245 carries for 1,070 yards, six touchdowns this year. He's a physical downhill banger. He has. Uh, he's actually not having his best season in terms of yards after contact, 2.78 yards after contact per rush. Um, that's a little bit below his norm, but he's one of those physical uh, downhill runners who has a little bit of burst, a little bit more burst to him than you're expecting for his style of running. He catches the football a little bit, but that's not a big part of what he does. Their receiving threat out of the backfield is Duke Johnson. Now, Duke Johnson is a very effective running back as well in terms of handing the ball to him. He had 83 carries this year for 410 yards. That's an average of almost five yards a carry, 4.9 actually. And his yards after contact is 3.64. So while Carlos Hyde is kind of the the bell cow back in a way, Duke Johnson's versatility um, is something to be mindful of. And he's he's really effective running it and catching it. I've always been a little bit surprised that he doesn't get a bigger role. And he's been a part of, you know, two different teams now, Cleveland and Houston and, and different offensive coordinators. And it always seems like he get, he's he's somewhat forgotten when it comes to handing the ball off, but he's very effective when he gets those chances. So he's the guy that worries me a little bit more uh, because he's got a little bit more juice and athleticism to him and he's versatile. Carlos Hyde is a physical downhill back, but you know, I think I don't get as nervous about those types of running backs because I think, you know, NFL defenses are physical and they can, you know, handle powerful running backs. It's the guys that have that wiggle and shift that that keep me up at night a little bit. So hopefully this is uh, continues to be a Carlos Hyde heavy rushing attack like it's been all year. Now, the offensive line is something that Houston has been criticized a ton for, uh, but it's a unit that's gotten a lot better this year. They've added some pieces to it, and they're playing a lot better. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle, uh, one of the best blockers, uh, young offensive tackles in football, you guys know him from the Miami Dolphins. They gave up you know, multiple first-round picks to acquire him. Uh, he's He's been good. He's been a good player for them. He does have 18 penalties called against him this year, which is a ton. So that's something to keep in mind. He jumps off sides a ton, or excuse me, he commits false starts a ton. Uh, so that's what something he's got to overcome. Their left guard is Max Sharping. He's a rookie this year. Um, he's had a good year in pass protection, not as effective run blocking, and that's kind of consistent with his college tape. Uh, not a guy that's really going to move people out of the way, but he uh, he really shut down some of the better p- pass rushers he faced at Northern Illinois uh, last year, and and I think that you know he's a guy that played left tackle in college. That, that pass blocking skill set at tackle is really helping him on the interior. He's been an okay player, but I think you can overpower him in the run game. Nick Martin is their center. I think he's a solid player. Zach Fulton is their right guard. He's at least a, a a replacement level starter. He's a worthy starter, um, but I don't think he's anyone that anyone's going to look at and say that's a, a road grading, powerful, dominant blocker, but he's a good player. And then the right tackle is Chris Clark, who I think there's opportunities to beat him. I think he's probably the weakest link on this offensive line in addition to Max Sharping. So a unit that's gotten collectively better, obviously improving the left tackle spot with one of the brightest young offensive linemen in the game helps this unit a ton. 
Uh, but there's a couple of weak spots here. And then, you know, obviously, like as I talked about earlier, Deshaun Watson doesn't do them a lot of favors with how long he holds on to the football. Let's shift over now to the defensive side of the football for the Houston Texans. The defensive coordinator is Romeo Crennel, 72 years old. He's in his sixth season as the Texans defensive coordinator. This dude's been around for a long, long time. Buckle up. Let's talk about his resume. He was a college assistant from 1970 to 1980. He was at Western Kentucky, Texas Tech, Mississippi, and Georgia Tech, mostly as a defensive line coach. Uh, From 1981 to 1992, he was an assistant with the New York Giants. Uh, He was actually the special teams coordinator for most of that stretch. And then in 1990, he became the defensive line coach. In 1993 uh, through 1996, he was the Patriots defensive line coach. Then he was the Jets defensive line coach from 97 to 99. He was the Browns defensive coordinator in 2000. He was the Patriots defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2004. Uh, From 2005 to 2008, he was the Browns head coach. From 2010 to 2012, he was the Chiefs defensive coordinator. And from from then, he's been the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. So, I mean, this guy's been coaching football since 1970. Long, long time. He's seen a lot. Um, His defense this year is not good. This is not a good defensive unit that the Bills are facing on Saturday. They're giving up 24 points per game. That is 19th in the NFL. They only have 31 sacks this year. That's 26th in the NFL. Giving up 388 yards per game. That's 28th. 121 rushing yards per game. That's 25th. 267 passing yards per game is 29th. And here's the big stat that jumped out to me. They're allowing a touchdown on 26.5% of their drives. That is fifth worst in the NFL. So, on one hand, you, you kind of look at this and say, wow, Houston's a 10-win team and um, in the playoffs, and they've done that despite this defense. Um, and it's it's a unit that's really struggled. Uh, I just outlined their statistical numbers here, and, and those are very poor figures, especially for a team that won 10 games, won their division, and is hosting a playoff game on Saturday. So this gives me some optimism about this game, right? I mean, when I think about the Bills matching up with anyone, I'm not super concerned with what they have on offense because I know what the Bills have on defense. What I want to know is the Bills offense, which is not a a great unit, how do they match up with the opposing defense? And I would say that the Bills match up extremely well with this defense. And so I'm excited to see what Josh Allen and company can do. Let's talk a little bit more about this personnel. This is a 3-4 scheme. It's a little bit of a hybrid look like most 3-4s. They'll run some even fronts, but uh, their base 3-4. Their down linemen uh, are typically DJ Reader. He's their um, he's their nose tackle, and I think he's good player. Uh, he's he play and he's a big dude like you'd expect for a nose tackle in a 3-4, but he gets after it as a pass rusher too. I think that's a part of his game that's really evolved since he got drafted out of Clemson. He's a young player that. I think he's really good. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. And so, you know, Mitch Morse is going to gonna have his hands full with a really good interior defensive lineman and DJ Reader. Then they have Angelo Blackson, who's one of their five techniques. He's, he's not a great player. I think he's a well below average starter. And then J.J. Watt. I don't know how much this dude's going to play. I can't wait to talk to Kyle Trimble tomorrow, banged up Bills, about J.J. Watt because this dude tore his peck earlier this year that should keep that he should not be coming back a torn peck 
I mean, defensive line, just think about when you watch defensive linemen play. It's all about engaging your hands, keeping separation from blocks, fitting your hands and controlling your gap. How the heck is this guy going to be able to do that if his peck isn't right? I have no idea. But I'll tell you this, J.J. Watt, when he played this year, he was unbelievable. He was vintage J.J. Watt. But I don't know what type of player he's going to be on Saturday if he's able to go at all. Um, if he isn't able to go, then I think you're going to see several other players. Charles Amenehu, who's a rookie from Texas, who's a very exciting young player. He's got a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of power. I think he can create some problems. Um, and I know he's got a little rivalry going with Cody Ford. So those are going to be some fun matchups uh, to, to watch uh, if Charles Amenehu's lined up over uh, Cody Ford. Then they have Brandon Dunn and Carlos Watkins, who will probably get some run, but they're below-average players. They're edge rushers. They've got a good one in Whitney Merciless, who just signed a contract extension with them. Uh, former first-round pick. He's been there since 2012, a very productive pass rusher, having a good season. Um, he's the focal point of their pass rush. And their other edge rusher is Jacob Martin, who's, again, a below-average player that I don't think is very effective and should not be commanding the snaps that he's getting. Uh, and, you know, they don't have much in the way of depth behind those guys and they get most of the run. So edge rusher is something if, uh, if I'm Houston and I'm looking towards the off season that I'm looking to, to get better there. Now they're off ball linebackers that, you know, it's a three, four. So they play the two guys in the middle. These guys play, you know, almost all of the snaps, um, pass downs, rundowns. They're really good players. Zach Cunningham, uh, second-round pick a few years ago out of Vanderbilt. Uh, he's a versatile guy. He's sideline-to-sideline side range. He wins in coverage. He's athletic. He can you know make plays all over the field. I love his motor. One of my favorite prospects I studied back in 2017. And then Bernardrick McKinney, who's uh, you know their inside linebacker, their Mike, the quarterback of their defense. Pretty handsomely played player, and uh, he's a good one. A lot of size, a lot of athleticism, has that, that physicality to play downhill and work into the line of scrimmage. He's uh, he can shoot gaps, but he you know don't sleep on his range. He's got plenty of athleticism to go with his size. So those two dudes in the middle, those are good players. So could be some fun matchups if uh, Josh Allen is one v one on those do- those dudes in the open field. A uh, lot of lot of good athleticism there and, and physicality. Now their secondary has a lot of talent, but man, are they playing bad this year? Uh, the two dudes that we know about their safeties, Justin Reed and Tayshawn Gibson. Justin Reed was a third-round pick out of Stanford uh, in 2018. And I think he's – I graded him as a first-round player, and I think he's played to that caliber. I think he's been really good. Deshaun Goods, uh, Tayshawn Gibson was a player they gave a decent amount of money to to come over from Jacksonville, and I think he's having a bad year. He's a good player having a bad season as he acclimates to this defense. Um, but Justin Reed's the better safety to me. And Tayshawn Gibson's the one you kind of want to attack, but he's a veteran who he's played a lot of ball and he's had good seasons. I just don't think he's having one right now. Now at cornerback, whew, they've got a lot of talent here, but you know, first round picks galore, but they're just not playing well together. Uh, they've got Jonathan Joseph and, and Bradley Roby and Gary and Conley. Those are the three main guys. Those are all first round picks. John Joseph of the Bengals, Bradley Roby of the Denver Broncos and Gary and Conley of the Raiders. And they're all having, I think they're like individually good players. There's a lot of communication and time on task and continuity that matters when it comes to cornerback play. And, you know, it's a new group. And Bradley Roby's new to the team this year. They traded for Gary and Connolly this year. And bringing in Tayshawn Gibson, just that many new pieces in the secondary has led to, 
you know, really a lot of struggles defending the pass. They they uh, acquired Vernon Hargraves, a former first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. He struggled uh, for them, but he's getting some run. And then they took Lonnie Johnson in the second round uh, out of Kentucky, and he's had a dreadful year. Uh, so they've got a, these talented players that are all high picks at corner. They're just not playing well together. And um, the Bills got to be able to go after the secondary. I mean, in, in a big way, this should be this should be advantage. Bills passing attack all day long against these dudes. Um, just Romeo Cornell's having a rough time scheming it up, and these guys aren't are just not playing well together. And and you've seen this before with other teams. Like you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, before this year. Just a lot of good talent on the back end. They just don't play well together. They have coverage busts, and other teams take advantage of it. The Bills have to be able to take advantage of a bad secondary in terms of how they play together in Houston. When you look at the special teams for this football team, uh, their kicker is Kai Fairburn. He's been their kicker, I think, for three years now. Uh, He's 20-25 on the year. That's 80%. He's made 7 of 12 from beyond 40 yards. So he's automatic inside of 40. Uh, his misses come beyond 40 yards. 40 out of 45 from extra points this year, which I don't. I mean, I don't know what's up with these kickers and extra points, but they miss him. I know that it's not the 19-yard extra point anymore, but, I mean, this, guy, this guy's percentage of making regular field goals inside of 40 yards, he doesn't miss. Now, you give him an extra point, for some reason, he misses. So <laughs> it's he's not immune to missing kicks. One thing I thought was really interesting about Kai Fairburn looking at his numbers is his touchback percentage on kickoffs is very low, 52% this year. That seems very intentional to me. That, that means they believe in their kick coverage and they believe in his directional kicking and being able to pin teams within with inside the 25-yard line. So um, – it's it's going to be one of those games where Andre Roberts is going to have some chances to return the football, and, and in a lot of ways, that's exactly what Houston wants. It's what they've trusted. That 52% is much lower than his first two seasons in the NFL. In 2017, his touchback percentage was 65. In 2018, it was 63. In 2019, it was it's 62.9. Or excuse me, it's 51.9. So it's not that it's not that his leg isn't strong enough. It's, I think they're very intentionally trying to uh, create return opportunities to pin teams back, um, and there you go. I mean, maybe that goes into how bad their defense has been. Well, they're, they're trying to you know probably make teams earn more, right, because they're getting it done offensively. Almost 25% of their snaps of their drives or whatever that stat was. Let me, let me check. I want to get this right here. Um, defensively, they're giving up a touchdown on, on over 25%, 26.5% percent of their drives, they're giving up a touchdown. So they're probably thinking to themselves, well, we believe in our kick coverage and we want to make them go as long as possible to try to score a touchdown on us because they score no matter what. So maybe there's some risk reward that they believe in there. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Brian Angerer is their punter. He's an elite punter in the NFL, 44.5 net yards per punt. He's only had two touchbacks this year and he's only giving up three point yards per punt return against him. So this is a team that, again, they believe very much in their ability to cover kicks and punts. Critical game for Andre Roberts. I know that he's been banged up, but he needs to be available this week. We need that consistency, fielding kicks and punts, and trying to get something in the return game. Because these guys believe in their ability to cover kicks and punts, and you can't have a bad ball handler back there. I don't have time for Isaiah McKenzie this week returning punts or kicks. 
So to me, if Andre Roberts can't go, it's a Micah Hyde proposition at punt returner because I know he'll field the ball. So um, I have my concerns about that. I need Andre Roberts to play, and I need him to be you know, consistent this week. He's been consistent all year. I don't have any issues with that, but I think this is a big week for Andre Roberts to continue to be reliable. Their kick returner and punt returner is the same guy, DeAndre Carter. He's averaging 22 yards per kick return this year. 9.7 yards per punt return this year. Um, those are fine numbers. They're not great, but he's consistent. He's 5'8", 190 pounds. He has 4'4", speed. So a short, thick, fast guy uh, is what they have back there. And um, he's a pretty good returner, but he's not, you know, he's not made any big, long returns this year. He's not housed any of them. He's just pretty, pretty consistent. And that's fine. That's exactly what you're looking for. I think he muffed one punt on the season, but otherwise he's been clean with his ball handling. So there you have it. There's the, there's the, the four one, one, uh, on the Houston Texans. Hopefully this gets you ready for the biggest bills game of the season, because if they don't win, there won't be another game to talk about. Uh, so, uh, this, uh, I think this is opponent that the bills match up with pretty well. And, um, tomorrow I'll get into my predictions on this football game with you on the Friday podcast, as we normally do. I'll give you my predictions at the end. We'll talk to banged-up Bills, Kyle Trimble. We're going to talk not just about the Bills injuries, which there's some to get into this week, but also Will Fuller and J.J. Watt. Him and I talked end of last week. We anticipated Houston being the opponent, and and uh, Kyle told me that he would come prepared to talk about Fuller and Watt. So don't miss that discussion as well, and I'll offer you any leftover thoughts I have for the football game. So don't miss it. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast medium you're listening to this on uh share rate review the podcast all of that is very very helpful and appreciated until tomorrow thanks so much for listening to locked on bills